just pray for each other. Lift up each other's burdens. Just to re- agree with, you, with the Lord for our breakthroughs. We're lifting off heavy yokes that we're not supposed to be carrying. So I encourage you. somebody to pray for. If you need prayer, first of all, raise your hands and say, hey, can somebody pray with me? It doesn't matter what it is. If nobody raised their hands, go find somebody to pray for.
Is where I belong in your presence. In your presence, our fear is gone. In your presence, in your presence, it's where. It's where. Where I belong. 
different that third labor and delivery was, how different it was. Because the first two, I struggled and I strained and it was difficult. But for this third one, I just, there was grace to rest in the midst of, of birthing, in the midst of pain, in the midst of transition, there was a grace just to enter into the rest of the Lord. And I always remember, I just I just laid there in the midst of heavy labor, and I just worshipped, and I, I just prayed in tongues, and there was just peace. There was just such a peace. And I always remember, I mean, I was in active labor, and Jason slept for like two or three hours. That's how peaceful it was. It was just a peaceful environment. When it was over, Jason just being in shock, like, I can't believe it's over. That was so much easier than the other two. And I believe what the Lord's saying is that in the midst of pain, in the midst of transition, and even in the midst of birthing something or going into a new season, we have the choice to choose peace. We have the choice to enter into the rest of the Lord. first two, I wasn't prepared. My heart wasn't prepared. But God is saying, I'm preparing your hearts to to stay in a place of peace no matter what I take you through, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what you go through, that you can be in peace, that you can be in a place of rest, that you can truly purpose to be at rest in your heart regardless. pray, God, over anyone, God, whoever that word is for. God, I pray for grace. I pray for the grace to enter that peace, to enter that rest. To not allow the pain or the uncertainty of a situation to control, God, but to enter into that place of peace that you have for us. are a refuge from the storm.
you get up and give somebody a hug and just say it's beautiful. Jason said to me at dinner tonight, he's like, so if there's only 10 people there, are you still going to just really go for it? I was like, yeah. (laughs) 
we had we had a friend when we were at the house of prayer, like Benjamin Atkinson, and he would just, I mean, two people in the room, and he's just like preaching. I mean, it's awesome. So I'm gonna, he's gonna be my role model. I'm gonna go for it tonight. So hope you guys are ready. I got 30 minutes or so. So we'll see how far I can get. Um, you know, I had just had one of those days today. You ever have one of those days? <laughs> and it was just one of those days, like my kids just, some days it's like, who are you? <laughs> Where'd my kids go? <laughs> and it was one of those days, and I just, just thought, you know, I text Jason, I'm like, could you come, like, it was like 10 in the morning, I'm like, can you come home now so I can go back to bed? <laughs> like, that's the kind of day it was. <laughs> and, um. So I finally got them out, took them to the park. I'm like, you got to get out of this house. And so then we went, and it got a little bit better, but it was still, still kind of rocky. And we were leaving the park, and I drove away, and and I, I went a mile or so through some lights, and I realized I didn't have my phone. I was looking everywhere. I didn't have my phone, and I thought it was great. I said, I'll leave it at the park. And so I swung around, made a U-turn, and going to go back to the park. And then I thought, I wonder if I left it on top of the van. And then I'm thinking, uh, you know, all these visions of smashed phones. And I'm like, oh, that's just the last thing I need. You know, and I'm thinking, that's the last thing I need right now is I don't have a phone. And, you know, so I just, it wasn't even a prayer. It was more just a, God, just, if my phone's up, just hold on to it. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Because I can't, you know, it's just, so I got back and got out of my car. My phone's just sitting there, just sitting there. And it was like, just a kiss, you know, it's like the Lord just, he loves us so much and he so wants to be involved in just the little, little details. And he sees our hearts when we're just like, God, I just can't take another thing. And he's like, I'm here for you. I'm here, you know, and I just wanted to share that. I mean, that's not totally to do with what I'm going to talk about tonight, but I just thought that was so cool. And it was just, okay, you know, my day just got so much better because of that, you know. (laughs) So um, I want to share. I feel like as a church, we're really in a season right now of grabbing hold of something. Like the Lord has us in this kind of pocket and saying, I really want you to get this. And it's this thing of intimacy. And obviously it's not something we're just going to get and move on. But I feel like there's a grace right now in the season that we're in to really press in as a body to intimacy with God. What does that mean? What does that look like? What's God's heart for us? How does this affect the way that we live, the way that we walk out our day-to-day life? And um, how many read the dream that I had? either the blog or email. So, so. No, no, it's fine. It's fine if you didn't. I just, I don't want to like rehash the whole thing if it's just going to be redundant for people. But let me just briefly share it so that, huh? <laughs> okay. Well, I, anyway, let me just go through the highlights because I can't really move on with this, this little message unless you know you're fine what I'm talking about. So anyway, the last few weeks, I've been in this season of dreams. Like, I've had 
probably like four or five key prophetic dreams in the last like two or three weeks, which is very unusual for me. It's like, whoa, this is really different. And, um, but I'm also paying attention to it. Okay, God, what are you saying? Like, all of a sudden, you know, we pray for dreams and visions. We pray for all this not, and now it's happening. Wow, <laughs> you know. And so um, I had this dream, and it was one of those dreams that just unsettles you. You know, one of those dreams that you wake up and you're like, oh, what was that about? What, you know, and you feel, you know, I don't know if you've had these dreams, but you just feel the intense emotion of like it happened for real, you know, like it was a real event that happened. So I had this dream, and the dream was there was a group of people that were working in this warehouse, and it was like, I mean, it was almost like it was like our church family, but it, I, I don't know that for sure, but that's kind of the sense that I got in the dream. And um, we were working on something, but then it switched, and it was like the end of the workday. And I was in this big room, and it was kind of like, because it was kind of like we lived in this warehouse, and we worked there, we lived there, we were all together in community. And there was this huge room that was just set aside for just entertainment, just hanging out, and had all these couches, and had this TV. And I was waiting, I was just sitting there waiting for Jason to come. And... And I waited and waited. Finally, he came, and he, you know, he's all showered and ready to go. And I, and I was like, here, come sit with me, you know. And he, and just so you know, this is just a symbolic dream. So <laughs> I was like making him look bad if you think of it as, you know, like that. But, um, and he said, no, I'm going to sit back there. You know, he just kind of said, no, I'm going to sit back there. And he went and sat on this couch that was behind. And when I looked back, it was like this other person sitting back there. But when I looked, it was like it wasn't a real person. It was almost like it was a mannequin. And, and some, there was just something very fake about this other person. And he sat down and got comfortable. And I just, in the dream, I just like, this thing rose up in me like, what are you doing? You know, and I actually think I, you know, the specific words that I remember because I wrote it down, you know, I said, um, no, your place is with me. You belong with me. And, like, I looked at him, and it was like, like, I'm not going to stand for this kind of thing, you know? And But in the dream, I mean, I could feel the deep grief that he didn't want to be with me, that he, he would rather be back there. And it was like this, this deep disappointment and grief and, like, you know, I could just feel it in the dream. And And as I motioned to him, it was like he kind of, was like, okay, and, and came. And, but it was like he was really reluctant to leave that comfort, that false place of comfort. And, I mean, there's tons of symbolic things, and I kind of went into some of that in my blog, so I don't want to re- you know, go over all that because I have other things to say. But that last little part, it, it, that was so significant to me because I feel like, and even in my own life, there's this sense sometimes that you feel like, if you really go for God, you're going to miss out on something else. Or like you're going to have to really give up something that you really like or that you really enjoy. And that it's, it's, it's like, okay, God, I mean, I guess it's the right thing to do to spend time with you. And, you know, and it, and it feels like this, you know, laborious, like, well, I guess I'll do it if, if that's what it means to be a good Christian, you know. And you see that all over the church. And maybe it's not everybody in this room that feels that, but... There's this thing where it's like we don't understand 
the beauty and the joy of that communion, that fellowship, that how good it can be. Like really how good it can be. And that's the, the plan of the enemy is to get us to think that it's really better over there. So let's let's have one foot in the fun. You know, this is what I really want to do. And one foot in the, well, I want to go to heaven. And I, and I do love God. I really do. He's just kind of boring sometimes. You know what I mean? Like we have this idea that that's how God is, even though it's not true. You know, and that's, we have this whole generation coming up that that's the lie of the enemy to try to steal hearts away from walking in what God wants them to walk in. And so, um, I mean, there's tons of stuff in this dream, but I just wanted to pick out a few things that I didn't talk about in the blog because I didn't want to be redundant. Um, And this is, the whole message of this dream is we were created to sit with God and have fellowship with Him. Not to be sitting in the back on the couch of false comforts and in the couch of just false reality and um, false affections, worshiping false gods. And yet that's our culture. That's what our culture tries to get us. Our culture is constantly pulling us, pulling us to come sit on that couch back there, pulling us away from that place, that place of intimacy, sitting with the Lord, having intimacy with Him, seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's what we're created to be. That's where we're created to sit. Yet there's this pull, this constant pull. Um, And I believe, whether you find yourself in either place, I believe everybody has a deep longing in their heart to be in a place with God. I don't believe anybody would say, when you really got down deep to to the deep part of it, that they'd rather just be sitting back there far from God. I think that Every, and even some people don't realize, but I believe that we're all created to be in that place where we know who we are. We're sitting in that place with God. We're operating out of that place. Um, and God knows that nothing else will satisfy us. He knows that there's no other way that we can fulfill the destiny that he has for us apart from sitting in that place. And so um, one, of the, one of the verses I wanted to focus on tonight, Matthew 23. 2237. And once they came to him and they asked him, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the book of Mark also adds, All your strength, which to me would signify what you invest your time and your energy to. It will love the Lord. And you know, I think, sometimes we think about the commandments, and it's like, you know, God commands you to do this, you know? <laughs> like, but for some reason, he wants to just make us do stuff, you know, just because he's got power, and he can just make us do stuff, you know? And, but when you see God's heart, you see all the commandments are for our good. They're so that we can live in the fullness of life that he's created us to live in. And this is the first and the greatest, and it's all about intimacy. The first and the greatest commandment is all about us loving God wholeheartedly with everything. All of our hearts. All of our minds. You know, it doesn't say part of it. He really does say all of it. Like that's 
pretty provoking. Um, he knows that this is, this is what we need to walk in. And the reason why so many are unsatisfied or frustrated or getting into sin or doing so many things is because they haven't got this. They haven't understood the value of pursuing love, you know, to love and be loved by God is first and foremost. This is the top pursuit of my heart. This is the top pursuit of my life. Um, and even to the point where we all have secondary callings. So our first calling is to love God and be loved by God. And that's it. That's, our, that's the reason why we're being created first and foremost. And then we all have secondary callings. We all have a ministry, a business, a job, a, you know, whatever. Whatever it is that your other calling is. But we'll never be satisfied in our secondary calling until we're firmly rooted in our primary calling. To love God and be loved by God. And I just, I, I, you see, like, people are just, you know, spinning their wheels, going after all these things, and it's like a mirage. It's like, oh, if I just got this, I'd be fulfilled. If I just, if I could just attain to this place. You know, you, you hear about the businessman who invests his whole life in, getting money and prestige and power and finally gets to the top and it's not, it's all emptiness and he commits suicide because he had everything and yet it was meaningless. It didn't fulfill him. It didn't, you know, you hear about the pastor who served for years, gave, you know, was always trying to, to love and yet didn't have that understanding of the first love, the place of intimacy and fueling everything you do. So, he gets burned out. He falls into sin. He, you know, and you hear these stories all the time. What? Why? They didn't get this. The intimacy is the key. Intimacy with God is the whole point, and it's out of that place that we do all of these other things. And um, you know, the, what I put here—the secondary calling in and of itself doesn't have the power to satisfy and fulfill us long term. And it may, you know, it may, if it's something that we enjoy, it may, for a season, we find joy in it. And it's not that we're not to find joy in other things, but if we don't have that place of intimacy with God, it's going to just, eventually, we'll just lose interest in it, you know, and we'll, we'll feel that emptiness and that longing. Um, so we were created for intimacy with God. And um, the thing is, that our enemy knows this. And, you know, I personally don't like to talk a lot about the enemy, but I think that we, if we want to be wise, we have to understand what we're up against. We have to understand the, the schemes that he tries to put against us to derail us from the destiny of God in our lives and the place that God wants us to walk. The enemy knows that when we truly walk in intimacy and close fellowship with God on a day-to-day basis, we will be an unstoppable force for the kingdom. So that's what he attacks first. So it's all, I mean, he could attack us in in various ways, but if we have that place with God where there's communion, nothing can, you know, we can have trials and tribulations in our life, and we can always press forward. We can always believe because we're, we're, we're in fellowship with God. We're hearing His voice. It's His voice that's keeping us going strong. 
But when we don't have that, and then the enemy tries to come against us, then we just, we want to give up. We don't understand. We question. We doubt. And so, um, I guess as I was, I was, I was pondering this. I was, okay, God, so what, what, we, we all know we want to be in intimacy with you. We all know that that's the desire of the heart. So what is it the enemy uses to hold us back? Now, ultimately, it's always our choice, but he definitely helps us along in our choices. Um, and so I just had a couple things that, and this is definitely, there's probably other things, and everybody could name a few things that they feel like are obstacles. But um, one of the things for me, and I think for us, is isolation, meaning that we're to live in community and we're to seek God in community. And most of you know that we did school ministry um, for 12 weeks. It's been a while. Um, And so this is like you got like a hundred people. You had a hundred young people living in a warehouse, all together, all going hard after God, seeking God, spending tons of time in worship. And you wake up in the morning. You're in this warehouse. You wake up to the worship band practicing for worship in 30 minutes. You will worship that day. You will encounter God that day. You just—it's like when when you're in an environment with people and you're all going for it, it's so much easier. When you're by yourself, you know, and especially if you're by yourself with people that don't want to get close to God, with people that want to just do whatever the world's doing, it's so hard. And that's, I mean, that was one of the things we, we came to Richmond after we'd done all this and we'd, we were so excited and we were so on fire for God and, you know, we're going to change the world. And then it's like, we, we said, well, we'll just get, we'll get married, we'll get jobs and just kind of, you know do that thing for a while, and we had no idea that after, like, a couple years of just working eight to four, and and we didn't have good community, and we were just like, man, this is hard. This is not what we were designed to live out. Like, we were designed to live with people that, you know, even if it's not in the house with people, but at least in fellowship and community with people that we're all, we're we're in this together. Your struggles are my struggles. I mean, we are going after this together. And so um, I think as a community, I think that that's one of the things that God wants to do in this season. He wants to bring us together, you know. And we need to contend for each other's hearts that we would truly want what God wants us to do. And that those that are on the fringes or those that are distracted or whatever, this is now is the time to press into prayer for people. A prayer that people will be drawn to come and to enter into community. Um, okay, the second thing, and this is kind of a big deal. It's not something I really like to talk about, but um, what it, it's the spirit of this age, and it brainwashes us with the culture. It brainwashes us with the ideas of the culture through media, mostly through media. Um, I was thinking about this. If, if, the, if the enemy can change our normal to what we consider normal, like, for example, um, that normal would be I spend 
two to three hours watching TV and 15 minutes in prayer and in the Word. So that's normal. Where spending three hours in prayer and worship every day, that's kind of weird. Like, are you super spiritual or something? You know what I mean? Like, so the culture says what's acceptable. They say, this is what, this is what you do, and it's fine. You know, everyone needs to just veg out. And, and there's this whole thing. And then, so then you sit there, and you're, you're on Facebook, and you're on watching TV, and it's all these commercials, all these advertisements that are just in your face opposite of the kingdom of God. You know what I mean? So you're, you know, I'm not going to give all the examples, but you're, you know, you're trying to, to eat healthy, and it's like all these commercials about if you just had this burger. You know, or you're trying to be good with your money, and it's like, well, if you just had this new car. You know, or you're trying to stay pure in your thoughts, and it's all these, you know, horrible pictures of people. You know, and it's just like, oh my goodness. You know, but it's that culture, it's that spirit of this age that tries to pull us in and and it keeps us from going to that place of intimacy with the Lord. I know, I know it gets me. I know I'm just being honest. It gets me to where I know I'm missing what I could be having with God because I'm just, I got sucked in to the culture. I'm just doing what everyone wants me doing. And I don't, I don't want to live that way. I don't know about you. I want to, I want to spend my evenings encountering the Lord and with going, growing closer with God, but yet there's this constant pull, you know? And so I think it's really interesting. I found this this verse because really it comes down to walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. And when our whole culture walks in the flesh, it's, just, it's all a big flesh fest, you know? It's, everything's about you, about what you want, about... You know, and so pressing into intimacy with God, it's like, why would you spend your time doing that? Like, that's just, and they don't understand the value. The culture doesn't understand the value and the fulfillment, satisfaction that comes from that place. And I found this um, in Ephesians 2, 1, and this is the Amplified, and I just thought this was fascinating. It says, and you, and you he made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sins, in which at one time you walked habitually. You were following the course and fashion of this world, were under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You were obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving who go against the purposes of God. Among these, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature, obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of of the mind, our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation like the rest of mankind. But God, so rich is he in his mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him. For it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved. 
and and delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by the virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. And that, I mean, that whole chapter goes on. I could read the whole thing. It's so beautiful. But as I was reading, I read the rest of it, and he kept telling them, remember. He kept, before each thing, he would say, remember, this is who you are. So it was like there was this struggle to go back to who they were. But he's saying, no, this is who you you are now. That's where you came from. And so you see that there's this struggle in the culture for people to to go back and live, to go sit on the couch of false comforts instead of being this beautiful picture of who we are, seated with Christ, partakers. I mean, it's, it's amazing that you read this and you think, why would we even want, why would we want to just do anything but what he has for us? Why would we even want to? You know, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. But he's, I, I believe that he's saying it's our choice to live in what he's provided for us. Um, you know, it's, are we living in the old man or the new man? The new man is seated with Christ. The old man's sitting on the couch of false comfort. So which are we going to walk in on a daily basis? Um, um, and okay, one of the other things that, and it kind of goes along with it, but it's just the busyness, the clutter of our life, meaning not necessarily material clutter, although it could be that, but just everything, the, the tr- striving to obtain and maintain the American dream. If, he, if, if the enemy can get our lives so complicated that we're just tired, you know what I mean? I mean, I've gone through seasons where I'm just like, I'm just tired. I'm tired of trying to keep up with the schedule or with, you know, certain things. And it's like, I want a simple life. I mean, yeah, I want to be obedient to do all the things God's telling me to do. But anything he's not telling me to do, I want to get rid of it so that I can have a simple life where I can devote myself to seeking God. That I can, you know, have the time to read my Bible and pray, that I can have the time to impart things to my children. Um, And a lot of that comes down to what do we value? Do we understand the value of intimacy that we would sacrifice other things that really aren't as important, that don't have an eternal value? Do we understand the value of intimacy? I remember a season that we went through where it was like he was having to work a lot and it was budget. It's like either he works more and we have more money or he works less and he can spend more time with the kids and as a family and we don't have money. You know, and it was like we said, you know what? Relationship is just more important. So we'll get by on less so that we can we can be with each other. You know what I mean? So we can spend time together. Our kids are young. I mean, this is, we don't get these days back. And so I felt God just reminded me of that as a, what are we choosing? You know, what are we, are we investing in a relationship with, with the Lord and with others? Or are we just investing in just stuff that's just going to, you know, whether it be it just position or, you know, possessions or whatever, you know. And I don't know about you, but I, I want relationship. I want what's going to last. I want, I want what's going to have eternal value. That when I move on, I mean, our life is so 
your thoughts. And I want what's going to give lasting into the age to come. That there's still, I can invest in things that are going to gonna last. And so, um, you know, the bottom line in all this is just, if I get anything across, is that God wants us to understand His Son and how she that it's not, it's not just he wants intimacy because he's just a dictator. And, you know, I just want you all myself and I don't want you to have fun anywhere else. It, that's so not his heart. And he wants us to understand. And, you know, in my dream it was like he allowed me to feel the emotion of his heart. That he's grieved when I don't understand how much he really loves me. That I don't understand. I don't have revelation sometimes of the greatness, the power, the just the over-the-topness of his love for me. How he would do anything for me. You know, and yet I want to know. And I think, you know, I think all of us here, we want to know. That's why we're here. That's why we came out to this meeting. We want that. We want what's real. We want to go after what's genuine, what's lasting, what's going to change our lives and our hearts and and then enable us to change the people around us. And so just as we're kind of wrapping up here, I just would love for us just to be able to press in. And we're going to just have a time of soaking. And I think, you know, we all come from different places. We're all at a different place. And we all receive from the Lord in a different way. You know, some of us it's quiet. Some of us it's loud. Some of us it's, you know, God speaks to our hearts. Some of us it speaks through the written word, you know. But right now I just, I want us to be able to really quiet our hearts and just get in that place. I mean, we've already just really experienced the Lord's presence through worship, but I feel like there's even a little bit more that God wants to do in the way of intimacy and us saying yes to Him. But not just yes out of duty, not yes out of because it's probably the right thing to do, but yes because we have that burning passion. God, we just come to you, God. Holy Spirit, just come even more. God, we want our lives to revolve around intimacy with you. God, we want our lives, we want the motivation of our heart, the dream of our heart to be connecting with you, fellowshipping with you, communion with you, deep, heart-to-heart, face-to-face. That we would hear your heart over, over us, God. That we would hear what you're saying over every situation in our lives, God. And that, yes, God, that we would even hear your heart, God. What's on your heart, God? Not just for us, but for those around us, God. God, we just say, God, we're open. We don't close off any part of who we are. We say we're yours. I just want to invite you, if you want to come soak,
just do whatever you need to do to get in a place with God where you can hear Him, where you can hear His voice, where you can hear what He wants to say to you, where you can commune with Him. And I just, I just want to invite you right now to open up your emotions. I feel like some of us have shut down certain parts of our emotions for different reasons, just out of hurt, out of disappointment, out of fear. And God wants to move on emotions tonight. He, he created us with the ability to feel deep and intense emotions so that we can enter into that oneness with Him. Because He is a God that feels emotions. So God, right now, I just pray, God, that you would go to hearts. That you would go to hearts right now, God. We say we're open to you. God, even just with our eyes closed, as we have our eyes fixed on you, God, that you would just encounter hearts. And God, that any emotions that have been locked up, any hearts that have been hardened, any areas of the hearts that have been hardened, God, that just that one touch that one touch from you, God, would bring release, would bring freedom, would bring the ability to feel, to feel your heart, God. God, we just let down our walls before you tonight. We say we know you're a safe God. You're a safe Papa, a safe Father that we truly can curl up in your lap, find a place of safety and refuge from the world. We're just going to just continue in this. If you need to leave at any point, feel free to leave when you need to leave, when you feel like you've received from the Lord. But we're just going to stay as long as as we need to stay just to, to... Get ministry from the Lord. If you feel like you want to go pray for people, just quietly soak people and pray for them. Feel free to do that.